Let's take our Bibles to the book of Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter 1. I had no idea that my son had just preached that text that I was preaching over top of him. That tells me somebody really needs this passage of Scripture. God doesn't repeat things just to repeat them. Had no idea. He didn't know where I was going. But the Lord knew where both of us were going. So we're in Colossians chapter 1 as we continue to go through this passage. We looked at the thanking of God for the Colossians and the praying for the Colossians. And now we want to look at how the Lord is going to be strengthening the Colossians. We do want to pick up in verse 9 again with Paul's prayer request, though we're moving out of it. Some people include this in his prayer request. I do not, as in our text, and I think I'll tell you, show you why as we read it. Colossians 1 verse 9, the Bible says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. I think what we find starting in the middle of verse 10 and also in verse 11 are not really prayer requests of Paul, but the results if his prayer is answered. I'll show you why I say that. In verse number 9, the Bible says, His prayer and desire is that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will. Now that is up in the air. That is unknown whether or not that will happen. That's why he's praying for them. It might happen, but it might not happen. And of course, we talk to you about what the Bible says about being filled with the knowledge of His will. And we have a lot to do with that, whether that occurs or not. So he's praying that they might be filled with the knowledge of His will. And then verse 10, the second part of his prayer, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. I think that's his prayer request. Not only what they would perceive, but how they would walk, how they would live their lives. And then he says, in verse number 10, I see a change in the grammar. Being fruitful in every good work. I don't see where he says that ye might be fruitful in every good work. No, it, it looks like it's taken for granted that they are being fruitful in every good work. Watch it. And increasing, not that ye might increase, but increasing in the knowledge of God. And then look at verse 11. Strengthened. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. I see a change in His prayer that ye might be this, but if these two things happen in your life... This is going to be the state of being in your life. This is what will happen to you 
If you are filled with the knowledge of His will, if you walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, these are the things that will occur in your life if that happens. These will be the results. That's why I think the grammar changes. Strengthened. That, 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 that's not a question there. See, that, that's, that, that's a done deal. You, you're strengthened. Increasing. That, that's already happening according to, to the text. Being fruitful. Not that you might be, but it's a state of, that, that, you're, that you're in, not, not what you're striving to, but a state that you're in. So this is what I'll say to you. If, if we will heed the first two parts, if we will answer the prayer request of the Apostle Paul, if we will be filled with the knowledge of His will, if we will walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, these are things that will happen in our lives. And if these things are not happening in our lives, then it stands to reason that we are either not filled with the knowledge of His will or we are not walking worthy of the Lord. Is everybody with me? Sometimes we look at, uh, we don't look at the root cause of why we are where we're at. That's what I'm trying to say. In other words, there are things that will automatically happen in your life as a Christian if you will walk worthy of the Lord. They're not things that you're going to have to strive to beat. They're just going to happen as you walk worthy of the Lord. Now, let's look at our text. There's four of these things. Verse number 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And if you do that, being fruitful... In every good work. You know that apple tree doesn't sit there and say, I think I can, I think I can, pop, there's an apple. That doesn't happen. Why are the trees fruitful? We know that they're fruitful for one reason. Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, if you got a good tree, you'll get good fruit. If you got a bad tree, you're going to get evil fruit. So there's, here's what I'm trying to say. If the tree is in the state that it's supposed to be, and if the tree is healthy, automatically pops the fruit out. There's not an effort for the stalk of corn to say, we can do it this year. We can. As long as the, as the stalk of corn is in good soil, Right? And as long as it gets the rain that it needs and the sunshine that it needs, then there's not going to be a struggle to produce the fruit. In other words, the fruit happens automatically. Look at Luke chapter 8. Have you ever wondered why some Christians are fruitful and some are not? It has to do with the state of their life. It has to do what is was producing from their life. It just comes from their heart, what kind of heart they have, what kind of walk with God that they have. It's not that they're more intelligent. It's not that many times they're even harder working. The fruitful unto every good work, look at Luke chapter 8, I think comes from this. He says in Luke chapter 8 and verse 
Number eight, Jesus said, and the other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit and a hundredfold. Do you see that? So what is the reason that fruit is born? What is it? Now the seed is all the same here. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is great whether it's on stony ground or whether it's on thorny ground. The seed has the power to produce the fruit, right? But the determination of whether fruit will be produced or not is determined by what type of ground the seed is in. Now, now what's he talking about? What kind of ground? What is the good ground? The Bible says in verse number 15 of Luke chapter 8, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. By the way, that word patience is also in our text. In other words, fruit will come out if there's good ground there. Can I just say this? Some Christians do, do not bear fruit. Because the ground of their heart's not good. That's why some people, when a message is preached, they'll receive it tenderly. And some, when a message is preached, they're thinking about something 500 miles away. It's the same message. Can you tell me why everybody in the world didn't get saved when Jesus preached? Does that, does that not bother anybody? Why didn't everybody get right with God? And you know the truth is, if we'd have been there, some of us wouldn't have got right with him either. And there wasn't any problem with the preaching. <laughs> it was perfect. It was powerful. What was the difference? Kind of heart, the ground. Preacher, what do I have to do to bear fruit? It will be, I'll say this, it'll be automatic if your heart's good ground. And if it's not, then, then you need to go check the, the pH of the soil. You know, sometimes that soil's missing something, you know. That's why things don't grow right. Something's missing. And many times, the reason a Christian's not fruitful, there's just something missing on, in, in the ground of their heart. But if, if we're walking, watch it, if we're walking worthy of the Lord, you can't do that with a bad heart. You understand? That's why he's saying if you'll walk worthy of the Lord and the all-pleasing, if from your heart you're trying to please God, you're trying to do what He wants you to do, that's good ground in your heart. And because of that, you're going to start producing fruit. But if you're living for another reason besides pleasing Him, then you don't have good ground in your heart. So there's there's going to be something missing. Look at John 15. We'll go from Luke to John, John chapter 15. Watch how automatic this is. Some people struggle in their Christian life, and it's, it's a problem. It's a problem with, with, with a, a, there's a root problem there. That's why things aren't coming out right. There's a root problem here. John chapter 15, Jesus said in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Watch it. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. You remember Jesus walked by and he, he sought fruit off a tree, didn't find any. And he said this, cut it down. <laughs> 
In other words, if the tree's not bearing fruit, what good is it? The only purpose of trees, the fruit tree is supposed to grow is to bear fruit. It's like where he says, uh, if the salt have lost its savor, it's thenceforth good for nothing. Who wants salt that has no savor? Will you have a salt shaker on your desk that has no savor? <laughs> no, it would be good for nothing and there would be no purpose. The Lord Jesus Christ has saved us for a purpose. And he wants us to bring forth fruit. And we will bring forth fruit if the right ingredients are there in our heart. Now watch here. He says, verse number 4, John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. Do you see that? You cannot bear fruit on your own. You cannot live the Christian life and accomplish anything for God. None of us can on our own. We are unable to do that. Watch it. Except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. Watch the reading. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. You see that? For without me ye can do nothing. So if I abide in Christ, what happens in my life? I bear fruit. If I'm staying close to the Master, I'm going to bear fruit. Why am I not bearing good fruit as a Christian? Evidently, I'm not abiding in the vine very well. You know what the Bible tells us in Romans 7? He says this, you're married to Christ. That ye should bring forth fruit unto him. You know what happens in a good, healthy marriage if they abide together? And everybody's healthy and well? And there's no other problems? Fruit happens. Fruit happens. You know what happens if we'll abide in Christ, if we'll stay close to Jesus? One of the reasons that we don't bring forth fruit is we're not close to the Lord. And if you're close to the Lord, it'll just start popping out of your life. If you walk with the Lord, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not the fruit that you read enough books on how to have joy. Is anybody listening to me? It's not that you, you, you went to church long enough that you finally understand what the Bible says about peace. No, if there's the right relationship in our hearts with the Spirit of God, it starts popping out. You don't work to have peace. You don't work to find love. You don't work for all that. It just comes as a result of the Spirit of God and the closeness in in your heart. But see, it's much easier to to have a conference on how to be gentle. than to have a conference on how to be filled with the Spirit so you will be gentle. (laughs) We're interested in all the periphery stuff and not the thing that will make the fruit come automatically. The good ground, the abiding in Christ. The Bible says, if you'll add these things to your faith, they will make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. Second Peter 1 8. I'll give you one, one more on this point. John 12. Are we bearing fruit for the Lord? So if you had to take out a piece of paper and write down the fruit 
that you have brought forth for the Lord in your life, what, what, would, what could you write down? If God comes by the tree of your life to find something that you have produced for Him, what, what, what could you write down? You, you don't have to be a missionary for this. This is anybody that's abiding in Jesus, right? This is anybody that's got a heart with good ground. This is anybody that has a right relationship. What things? And so this is what we need to do. We're not to be, you know, some people are fruit inspectors. They go around and say, well, this person can't be saved or this person can't be saved because of the way they live. How about if we were fruit inspectors on each other about how much fruit we've borne for Jesus Christ to really find out if we're walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing? In other words, the fruit of my life proves whether or not I'm really walking worthy of the Lord. Does that make sense? It's not the other way around. We want to show the fruit to prove to everybody we're walking worthy. No, we walk worthy and the fruit's coming. It's coming automatically. John chapter 12. Here's another point about bearing fruit. It's the state of being in our lives. Just fruitfulness. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 24, one of the great verses in all the Gospels. Jesus said in John 12, 24, Verily, verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. You see that? Fruit happens automatically when there's good ground. Fruit happens automatically when somebody's abiding in Christ. Fruit happens automatically after a death. That seed has to die. Guys, if we're going to walk worthy unto the Lord and all please, you know what we have to do? We have to die. We have to die to what pleases us. We have to die daily. Why do we not bear more fruit? We're not dead. We're still alive. We're still trying to find our life. We're still trying to do the living Instead of just dying to self, dying to the flesh. And if I'll do that, I will walk worthy of the Lord and the fruit will just start coming out of my life because of it. And when we don't have fruit in our lives, it is an indication we have not died. You know, even chastening. You know, chastening is a, a light form of death. <laughs> Anybody, anybody be a witness that grew up in a, in a household, amen, where you got chastened like the Bible tells you're supposed to be chastened. You thought you were going to die. I mean, this little sweet woman here, she wasn't always that way. Man, I'm telling you what, there'd fire come out of those eyes when I was growing up. Amen. And then when I got a little older, then it was dad's fire. And boy, that was worse than the other fire. <laughs> Thought I was going to die. Yeah. Now watch this. Listen to the verse. I'll quote it to you. Hebrews about chastening. Now no chastening for the present. <laughs> Seemed to be joyous, but grievous. But afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit. Of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Why does God chasten us? Because there's parts of our lives that are too alive. 
He's trying to bring that flesh into the proper place of death so that the fruit can come out. Go back to our text. So when he says, being filled, being fruitful in every good work, what a great verse. But it's not something you work toward. It's something that comes out of the fact that you're walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now follow that line. Let's keep reading. Verse number 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now this is different from verse number 9. We talked, his prayer request is that, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. You see the difference? And here in verse number 10, he's saying they are increasing in the knowledge of God. Not the knowledge of His will, but the knowledge of Him, the knowledge of His person. You know what happens as we continue, if we'll do it, if we'll walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing? You know what will happen in our lives? We'll get to know God better. We will increase in the knowledge of God. You know, there are a lot of people that say, but they don't, they don't know who the Lord is. They don't know what he likes. They don't know what he hates. They don't know when he speaks. They don't know when he's silent. They don't, they, they just, they're, they're clueless about the person of God. You know what Paul said in, in uh, Philippians 3? Then he said, that I may know him. Now he ain't talking about being saved. He said, I want to know God. What a blessing. The blessing is, if I will walk worthy of the Lord, the Lord will help me learn more about Him. You know why some people have never learned anything else about God? Because they won't walk worthy of Him and they never find anything else about Him. You know what I believe? I believe Enoch knew God. I don't just believe he walked with God. I think he knew God. I think he knew all about Him. I think Enoch could tell, amen, when he was in the room. I think Enoch could tell when he was coming down the path. Because he got to know God so well. How did he get to know God so well? Did he read a bunch of books? Did his daddy tell him about it? He got to know God by walking with God. Guys, you know what will happen automatically if we'll walk worthy of the Lord? We'll get to know the Lord in a deeper way. And the reason that some people do not know the Lord in a very personal way is because they won't walk worthy of Him. Does that make sense? So many people say, man, God just seems to be such an enigma to me and such a mystery and He's just so impersonal. Well, try walking with Him for several years and maybe you'll learn a little bit about Him. I can hear Brother Roloff singing in the back of my head, Jesus will walk with me down through the valley. Jesus will walk with me over the plains when in the shadows or when in the sunshine. If He goes with me, I will not complain. Jesus will walk with me. He will walk with me. He will talk with me. In joy or in sorrow, today and tomorrow, I know He will walk with me. I say we probably know 
God about as much as we want to know him. But he says, if you'll walk worthy of the Lord, you'll get to know him. If the heart's desire you have is just to please him, he will reveal himself to you. He will show himself to you and teach you some things about himself. But he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. If we're not walking worthy of him, we don't know who he is. There is no way people that aren't following the precepts of this Bible know a thing about God. Because you have to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing to increase in the knowledge of God. Not the knowledge of what God's word is, but of God. What kind of person he is. Mm, man, what, what a joy that God didn't just give us a book and says, learn that and do all that stuff. God says, hey, you want to know who I am? You want me to reveal myself to you? What, what, a wonderful, what a wonderful result of walking worthy of the Lord and do all pleasing. Number three, verse 11. Now we come to what we were trying to emphasize tonight. Strengthened with all might according to the glorious, His glorious power. Strengthened with all might. His glorious power. Have we ever lived in a day where Christians are so weak? Have Christians ever been so weak? He said, preacher, I know why they're weak. They're weak because of this society. That's not true. Christians are weak because they're not walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You see where the strength comes from? Strengthened with all might. He says, Father, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Not our might, it's His might. Ephesians 3.16 says that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. God will make us strong. Not us making ourselves strong. He will make us strong as a result of these two prayer requests being answered. He will strengthen you. Now, Look at that little word strengthen in verse 11. You see it? Now, let's have a little grammar lesson. I know you think that's boring. But it is important. Strengthened. That is a participle. If you don't know what a participle is, you need to go to sixth grade. I can't help you. With, I can't start over with you, okay? But let me just say this. That's the point I want to make about this word strengthened. If you look at the voice of this word, now, that, that just tells you if it's active or passive. This is in the passive voice. So what, what are you talking about? Just, let's just listen. This is grammar, but it's good. This is a participle in the passive voice. That means simply this. It is receiving action performed upon it. It is not giving forth the action. It is receiving the action and it is passively, in other words, it's not doing anything. It just receives the action. In other words, that's why he says, strengthened. In other words, they're not strong, but they have been strengthened. You see that? God has strengthened them. 
Simply put, the reason people are so weak is because God is not strengthening people. None of us have any strength. But God will strengthen some people and He will not strengthen others. Let me show you this same passive voice in Hebrews chapter 11. Same kind of deal. Easy easy to see. Oh, preacher, what can, what can we do? Hey, guys, our flesh is weak. <laughs> we have got to be strengthened with, his, with all might according to His glorious power. But He's not going to just do that to everybody. Simply put, if you're not trying to please Him, why should He strengthen you? Again, this is a result this is not, okay, preacher, let's be strong. Let's be strong Christians and suck it up and go. That's, that's, not, that's not the intent of this text. It's be filled with the knowledge of His will. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, and then He will strengthen you. And if those two things aren't true about your life, you're going to miss out on the strength. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. I'll show it to you again. This is, this is not action on the part of the individual. This is action on God's part. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 34. Watch this. Quench the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Watch this now in your Bible. Out of weakness. Look at it. Were made strong. That's the idea. We're made strong. They were strengthened, though they were weak. Guys, every one of us are weak. Oh, preacher, if I just grit real hard and go through it, you're going to beat your head against the wall and you're going to bust your head open. What am I supposed to do? Keep pleasing God and walk worthy of the Lord and let Him be your strength. You see the idea? We have a generation that we know is not walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing because they have no strength. And they have no strength because God will not strengthen people that are not in His will. But He can make weak people strong. But not if we don't meet the qualifications. Can you see that? Strengthen. With all might, according to his glorious power. Now get the last phrase and I'm done. Colossians chapter 1. Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Uh oh. Here comes the word patience. So this is what happens. If I will be filled with the knowledge of the will of God and I will walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. It will lead to patience in me. You see that? Unto patience. Unto unto all patience. Are you very patient? Then, then, Then why? There is a journey there. There is a path that goes there. People are not patient because... They're not filled with the knowledge of His will. 
they're not walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, because if they are, it will be unto all patience. You know, some people aren't patient enough for the will of God to happen in their life. But you know, if you know His will, listen now, if you're filled with the knowledge of His will, and you know what God wants for your life, you know what it leads to? It leads to patience because you know it's going to happen. You're going to get there. You're trusting His will. But when you're trying to work it out, you lose patience and you get desperate and you start making decisions. But when you know what His will is, you don't have to belabor it. You just with patience wait for it. That's what He's saying, unto all patience. The Bible says, now watch this, listen now, the trying of your faith. And I tell you what, if you know His will... And you're walking worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. It's not always a bed of roses. Sometimes it's a rough road. Sometimes God tests you to see if you really want to please Him. He puts you in a rough valley to see how serious you really are about pleasing Him. Or are you just as, as the devil accused Job, are we just serving Him because it's good? So what the Lord will do, the trying of our faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. What we need to do is, even in the rough times, we need to be filled with the knowledge of His will. We need to keep walking worthy of the Lord and just have patience that God knows what He's doing. And that kind of walk leads to patience. Tribulation worketh what? Nobody wants that, do we? But here's what we do. God puts us through tribulation because He wants to bring patience in our life. Why does He want to bring patience in our life? That we may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. Because you can't please the Lord without some patience. Am I preaching to the choir or what's going on here tonight? Look, at, look, look right here in your Bible. Go over to Romans uh, with me, Romans chapter 5. What, I don't want to lose time here. It's Romans chapter 5. I'm telling you the reason that we don't have these things in our life is because these things are results of a certain lifestyle for the Lord, a certain heart for the Lord. Guys, when I was red-headed in my 20s, I was not very patient. It has taken a lifetime to get this much. I'm a whole lot more patient than I used to be. You know why? I had, had to go through some paces. I had to go through some struggles. Yeah, brother, I've had them show up to my house and want to take away my kids. I've, I've, I've been through that. I've had the death threats. I've had people come to my house while I'm out of town. Scare my wife. Try to threaten her. I've been, I've been in all that. I've had groups of, of masons in the county gather together to figure out how they're going to put this preacher out of town. I've seen all that. And I don't even talk about it. 
I mean, it's, it's just, it's gone. It's, it's, it, it's just something that you've got to go through for you to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. It's a cross life and somewhere you're going to have to cross it. The question is, will you please the Lord so He can bring some patience in your life? So it doesn't have to be the way you want it. And when you want it. And how you want it. Guys, people don't have patience for anything. Especially with God. Romans chapter 5. Watch verse number 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. How can you say that? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, what's the next word? I guarantee you, you don't want anybody working on your car that doesn't have any experience. I bet you don't want anybody having surgery on you that has not had any experience. You know what God's people need? They need some experience. You only get experience through patience. Patience, experience, and experience. What's verse 4 say? Guys, you know why people are in despair? They're in despair because they've not had patience long enough for God to teach them some experience that God knows the path of life better than they know the path of life. Matter of fact, You look at the book of Romans, you can't find hope without patience. You think about that. If you want want to leave despair and you want your life filled with hope, then you're going to have to learn patience. I mean, look at chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we'll start verse 17. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him... Verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth, that's some patience, for the manifestation of the sons of God. Verse 20, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. You know what the whole, uh, what the creation is doing right now? They're waiting patiently. For, for us to get our act together, for Jesus Christ to come and change us into what we ought to be. Keep reading. Look at verse, uh, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Well, just put yourself in that verse. Some people groan and travail in pain in life. But look at verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. What's the next word? Waiting. What do you do while you're groaning and you're in pain? You wait. You have patience for it to be over. Look at it. Waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by what? Hope, but hope that is not seen, that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why do yet hope for it? Look at verse 25. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with what? Patience. What? Wait for it. So many of us can't wait for it. We have no patience. No patience for our kids. 
No patience with our parents. No patience with our spouses. No patience with the church. No patience with our brethren. No patience. And you know what we have when we don't have patience? We don't have any hope. We have despair. Well, how do I get patience? Just walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing and be filled with the knowledge of His will and let Him bring forth patience in your life. Have enough patience that He'll work that in your life. Romans 15, He says it again. I'm almost finished. I'm, I'm watching the time. You don't have to. Romans 15. Watch verse 4. Every time. Every time. We, we jump to so many things that get us from the frying pan into a fire. Because we don't have any patience. And we don't have any patience because there's something wrong with the ground of our hearts. Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. This is the whole Bible. <laughs> that we through what? Patience and comfort of the scriptures might have what? You know what God says the whole Bible was written for? To give you some patience. That you could learn some things and you could read all these stories of all these people that messed up because they didn't have any patience. And you can learn from that. And you can have patience and consolation and comfort and you can have hope because God, verse 5, is the God of patience the God of patience and so many times we don't have patience for our lives to be what God wants them to be now I got to give you the last thing and I'm finished they're they're going to the fellowship hall now to run around so you'll be all right I got just a couple minutes look Colossians chapter one so these things come out of our life if we're filled with the knowledge of his will we're walking worthy of the Lord and of all pleasing. We'll be fruitful in every good work. We'll be increasing in the knowledge of God. We'll be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. And it'll be unto all patience. Now watch this. And long suffering with joyfulness. Well, that's two words we don't put together very much. Long suffering and joyfulness. I'll give you a personal illustration. You know, when I quote the fruit of the Spirit, I have a little mental block. I do it like this. The fruit of the Spirit, you've heard me. If you go back to tape, you'll, you'll, you'll hear it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's always something there in my subconscious that does not want to say long-suffering. It's long-suffering that's after the love, joy, peace. You know what we think? We think the bad stuff and the suffering in life is just so awful and we'll run from it and it's just terrible. And God says he can put joy with that. That's what he says. You said, preacher, I don't see that yet. Well, <laughs> just stay filled with the knowledge of his will. <laughs> Walk worthy in the Lord and all pleasing and it will lead unto patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. I'll read these verses and I'm finished. I won't even comment. Would you turn to 
Acts 5 and 1 Peter 4. 2 Corinthians 8 and 1 Thessalonians 1. <laughs> and we'll be done. Hurry up now. I'll put them in order to help you a little bit better. Acts chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 8. 1 Peter or 1 Thessalonians 1 and 1 Peter 4. Let's, let's read Acts 5. Acts 5 40. Acts 5 40. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them. Well, that's some suffering. Beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8, 8 verse 2. How then a great trial of affliction. The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. And lastly, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Preacher, why do we not have all that together? Why can't we put the long-suffering and the joyfulness together? Because it is a result of something. It is not something we figure out. 